Windows and doors were double barred. New and perplexing locks were in use. Guards had grown more vigilant, or less somnolent. In short, all the natural difficulties of our profession had multiplied themselves. At one time, we were reduced to the stealing of more bulky and less precious merchandise than that in which we customarily dealt, and even this had its dangers. Even now, it humiliates me to remember the night when we were nearly caught with a sack of red yams. And I mention all this, that I may not seem in any wise vainglorious. One evening, in an alley of the more humble quarter of Yisilderum, we stopped to count our available resources and found that we had between us exactly three pizzurs, enough to buy a large bottle of pomegranate wine or two loaves of bread. We debated the problem of expenditure. The bread, contended Turov and Palios, will nurture our bodies, will lend a new and more expeditious force to our spent limbs, our toil-worn fingers. The pomegranate wine, said I, will ennoble our thoughts, will inspire and illuminate our minds, and perchance will reveal to us a mode of escape from our difficulties. Turoff and Palios yielded without undue argument to my superior reasoning, and we sought the doors of an adjacent tavern. The wine was not of the best in regard to flavor, but the quantity and strength were all that could be desired. We sat in the crowded tavern and sifted at leisure, till all the fire of the bright red liquor had transferred itself into our brains. The darkness and dubiety of our future ways became illumined as by the light of rosy crescents, and the harsh aspect of the world was marvelously softened. Anon there came to me an inspiration. Tora Fampalios, I said, is there any reason why you and I, who are brave men and nowise subject to the fears and superstitions of the multitude, should not avail ourselves of the kingly treasures of Camorium? A day's journey from this tiresome town, a pleasant sojourn in the country, an afternoon or forenoon of archaeological research, and who knows what we should find. You speak wisely and valiantly, my dear friend, rejoined Teraphopolius. Indeed, there is no reason why we should not replenish our deflated finances at the expense of a few dead kings or gods. <laughs> Now, Camorium, as all the world knows, was deserted many hundred years ago because of the prophecy of the white sibyl of Polarion, who foretold an undescribed and abominable doom for all mortal beings who should dare to tarry within its environs. Some say this doom was a pestilence that would have come from the northern waste by the paths of the jungle tribes. Others, that it was a form of madness. At any rate, no one, neither king nor priest, nor merchant nor laborer, nor thief, remained in Camorium to abide its arrival, but all departed in a single migration to found at the distance of a day's journey, the new capital, Yisildarum. And strange tales are told of horrors and terrors not to be faced or overcome by man that haunt forevermore the mausoleums and shrines and palaces of Camorium. And still it stands, a luster of marble, a magnificence of granite, all a throng with spires and cupolas and obelisks, that the mighty trees of the jungle have not yet overtowered in a fertile inland valley of Hyperborea. 
and then say that in its unbroken vaults there lies entire and undespoiled as of yore the rich treasure of olden monarchs, that the high-built tombs retain the gems and electrum that were buried with their mummies, that the fanes have still their golden altar vessels and furnishings, the idols their precious stones in ear and mouth and nostrils and navel. I think we should have set out that very night if we had only had the encouragement and inspiration of a second bottle of pomegranate wine. As it was, we decided to start at early dawn. The fact that we had no funds for our journey was of small moment, for unless our former dexterity had altogether failed us, we could levy a modicum of involuntary tribute from the guileless folk of the countryside. In the meantime, we repaired to our lodgings where the landlord met us with a grudging welcome and most ungracious demand for his money. But the golden promise of the morrow had armed us against all such trivial annoyances, and we waved the fellow aside with a disdain that appeared to astonish, if not to subdue him. We slept late, and the sun had ascended far upon the azure acclivity of the heavens when we left the gates of Yasoderum and took the northern road that runs toward Camorium. We breakfasted well on some amber melons and a stolen fowl that we cooked in the woods, and then resumed our wayfaring. In spite of a fatigue that increased upon us toward the end of the day, our trip was a pleasurable one, and we found much to divert us in the varying landscapes through which we passed and in their people. Some of these people, I am sure, must still remember us with regret, for we did not deny ourselves anything procurable that tempted our fancy or our appetites. It was an agreeable country, full of farms and orchards and running waters and green flowery woods. At last, some while in the course of the afternoon, we came to the ancient road, long disused and well-nigh overgrown, which runs from the highway through the elder jungle to Camorium. No one saw us enter this road, and thenceforward we met no one. At a single step we passed from all human ken, and it seemed that the silence of the forest around us had lain unstirred by mortal footfall ever since the departure of the legendary king and his people so many centuries before. The trees were vaster than any we had ever seen. They were interwoven by the endless labyrinthine volumes, the eternal web-like convolutions of creepers almost as old as they themselves. The flowers were unwholesomely large, and their perfumes were overpoweringly sweet or fetid, and their petals bore a lethal pallor or a sanguinary crimson. The fruits along our way were of great size, with purple and orange and russet colors. But somehow, we did not dare to eat them. The woods grew thicker and more rampant as we went on, and the roads, though paved with granite slabs, were more and more overgrown, for trees had rooted themselves in the interstices, often forcing the wide blocks apart. Though the sun had not yet neared the horizon, the shades that were cast upon us from gigantic boles and branches became even denser, and we moved in a dark green twilight, fraught with oppressive odors of lush growth and of vegetable corruption. There were no birds nor animals, 
such as one would think to find in any wholesome forest. But at rare intervals, a stealthy viper with pale and heavy coils glided away from our feet among the rank leaves of the roadside. Or some enormous moth with baroque and evil-colored mutlings flew before us and disappeared in the dimness of the jungle. Abroad already in the half-light, huge purpureal bats with eyes like tiny rubies arose at our approach from the poisonous-looking fruits on which they feasted and watched us with malign attention as they hovered noiselessly in the air above. And we felt somehow that we were being watched by other and invisible presences. And a sort of awe fell upon us, and a vague fear of the monstrous jungle. And we no longer spoke aloud or frequently, but only in rare whispers. Among other things, we had contrived to procure along our way a large leathern bottle full of palm spirit. A few sips of the ardent liquor had already served to lighten more than once the tedium of our journey, and now it was to stand us in good stead. Each of us drank a liberal draft, and presently the jungle became less awesome, and we wondered why we had allowed the silence and the gloom, the watchful bats and the brooding immensity to weigh upon our spirits even for a brief while. And I think that after a second draft, we began to sing. When twilight came... And a waxing moon shone high in the heavens after the hidden day star had gone down. We were so imbued with the fervor of adventure that we decided to push on and reach Camorium that very night. We supped on food that we had levied from the country people, and the leathern bottle passed between us several times. Then, considerably fortified and replete with hardihood and the valor of a lofty enterprise, we resumed our journeying. Indeed, we had not much further to go. Even as we were debating between ourselves, with an ardor that made us oblivious of our long wayfaring, what costly loot we would first choose from among all the mythical treasures of Camorium, we saw in the moonlight the gleam of marble cupolos above the treetops, and then between the boughs and the bowls the wan pillars of shadowy porticos. A few more steps, and we trod upon paven streets that ran transversely from the high road we were following.